Welcome, L's and J's, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. I guess it should be L's and G's, but whatever. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 201, the January 1986 issue on sale October 8th of 1985. Cover price 65 cents. This one's titled Simply Duel. Whoa, and on the cover of this... There's, well, first of all, in the Marvel box, you've got Cyclops' head, you've got Storm's head, and in between the two, a question mark. And on the cover, you have Cyclops shooting at Storm. Why are they fighting? I don't know. It kind of looks like they're fighting in like a dystopian future. (gasps) Is this a Days of Future Past uh, sequel? It could be. Oh, no, it's not. But then there's a box that says, who will lead them? (gasps) Oh. What could make them fight over, oh, wait, is it who will lead them? Like who will lead the X-Men or who will lead Storm and Cyclops? No, you know what I think it is? I think since this is a duel, uh, it's called duel, and they're dueling, they must be fighting for control of the Morlocks. It could be. Look at what's going on with Cyclops' back. He is really contorted. Yeah, he's twisted. Uh, you know, I, I I get what they're attempting to do here. I also get the attempt here, um, but it's uh, it's bad. Like he's like really thin around the hip there. Or, uh, yeah, his hips. Oh yeah, it's it's bad. Cyclops is this is a bad cover. No, Storm is really good. I think uh, Cyclops is just terrible. This is a good cover in the sense that you really don't pay attention to Cyclops. You're right. So this this has been I wouldn't say one of my favorite covers, but certainly a standout, memorable cover. Because um, it definitely marks a drastic uh, turning point or change for the X-Men. Um, but when you really look close <laughs> and start analyzing Cyclops' form, it's a disaster. Like that, that front thigh and, and the back leg and... Oh, it's just it's just a mess. <laughs> Maybe it is an uh, analogy to the, the contents within. Well, it could be. Um, inside, we learn that this book was brought to us by Chris Claremont, a guest penciler by the name of Rick Leonardi, and a guest inker, Wils Portatio. Is that how you pronounce his name? I think so. That's how I've always pronounced it. Tom Morzakowski's lettering, Glennis Oliver is the colors, and Ascenti's the editor, and... Uh, Jim Schotter is the editor-in-chief. Um, and Rick Leonardi, what did he draw? As far as I know, Rick Leonardi is like the fill-in artist of fill-in artists. Um, I always used to joke that, like, oh, it's a Rick Leonardi issue. It must be crap. But his art is actually pretty good in this issue. Um, I used to also joke that way when we were buying comics. Uh, you'd always you'd open the comic and be like, ugh. Rick Leonardi issue. And I think he's still drawing and he's, I think he's still, I think he's actually really good now. I don't want to diss him because I used to make fun of um, Eric Larson as well. And that guy definitely made a career out of um, what he does. Yeah. So like this is, this is a solid artistic issue. The first page is kind of weird, um, but he's, he's juggling a lot of balls here. Yeah, um, I, growing up, never really, I, I don't even think I paid attention to the art uh, um, here. It didn't strike me as, like, art I didn't like, and, you know, the issue by itself kind of holds its own weight. So, yeah, anyways, it's, it's a little weird. It's a departure from what we're used to. Well, presumably John Romita Jr. and Dan Green are on hiatus from that double-sized issue. Maybe J.R.J.R. broke his wrist or something. They are 
friggin' tired. Um, but all of the X-Men are featured here, and guess what, everybody? Madeline has had her baby. So proclaims Kitty. Cyclops, you're a father! And Cyclops looks very nonplussed about this. Yeah, all of the X-Men are pretty excited, happy. Even Rachel's kind of like, you know, into this whole thing. And Cyclops, in his typical brooding fashion, is looking away. She, uh, Rachel looks curious, which is, it's, she's well drawn. I mean, you can get the, the you get a sense that she is uh, kind of happy and yet a little bit cautious about it, which is, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I like pretty much everybody in this, except for Rogue. Uh, Colossus looks a little weird. I mean, he definitely looks happy, but it doesn't look like a Colossus we've seen in the past. Well, he's got like a vampire tooth. Yeah, well, I think it's like a curvature of his mouth going on there. And he's got a lot of wrinkles for, a, what is he supposed to be, 18 years old? Eh, you know. That's fine. It's all good. Whatever. Rogue, though, she just looks kind of crazy. <laughs> she does. She's in the background. Let me see the baby. Let me see the baby. And let me touch the baby. I wonder what it'd be like to absorb the baby's psyche. That's an interesting thought. What if Rogue did touch a baby? Like, would she revert to like a baby state? I suppose she would. Not physically, but mentally. Maybe physically, though. I mean, there wouldn't be much. Uh, well, no, she only like unless it was like a mutant baby <laughs> and, and the baby's powers were to be a baby. That's true. Good point. Yeah, so a bunch of commentary from the uh, X-Men. Um, Colossus comments, the, to think Wolverine, you also looked like that. Yeah, it's, it's true. He did. Yeah, he was a baby once. Uh, 200 years ago. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, comrades, how will he feel up uh, feel growing up with us as godparents? And uh, Cyclops, again, is is stepping away from everybody. Yep. He's, he's constantly in the background of all of these panels. He's got his back turned toward the X-Men, or he's making himself very distant. And then uh, the X-Men are just engaging in some shenanigans, you know, a well-needed break from, from their recent adventures. Um, Nightcrawler ends up tickling Rachel a whole bunch uh, because he's bragging about how awesome the X-Men are as godparents, and Rachel's like, oh, stop it. And so he starts <laughs> tickling her by teleporting all around. And Rogues has crawled pulled this done with me once. Won't try it again, though. And Kitty says something a little confusing here. He's supposed to be team leader. He's supposed to set an example. Which is, they, they, this would be a good chance for Nightcrawler to say, hey, guys, I don't want to be the team leader anymore. But uh, I guess we're supposed to just infer that. Well, right. Uh, Nightcrawler to say, like, hey, we have two senior leaders here. Um, but yeah, that's never really addressed. Like, well, I guess I'm skipping a little bit ahead, but, uh, like the baton does get passed, but it does, there's no like really commentary on that baton being passed. And yet it doesn't, it doesn't feel out of place. Like I think what's happening just kind of happens and I think everybody's just okay with it. And we know that Nightcrawler doesn't want to be leader anyway. So I guess it's not needed is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I get it. That's all good. You know, you have the you have this in the beginning reminder that oh, by the way, Nightcrawler is the team leader, and that's that's all you really need. Yeah, Madeline pitches the baby off to K- Kitty because uh, she's got to go have a quick little conversation with Storm, and Kitty is fumbling around like, oh, oh my god, oh, this isn't so bad. And suppose s- I drop, he cries, Madeline, cute kid. <laughs> so Madeline, who has lost all of her baby weight, by the way. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know. 
She is down to a nice size three, even after being pregnant. And even when she was pregnant, she never really looked all that pregnant. So how much time do you think passed since she gave birth last issue? <laughs> uh, well, that's a really good question. Um, Big as this baby. This is not an infant. This is a, well, I guess it still is an infant. Well, it, 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 there's it's a pretty big infant. We're getting kind of, I feel like the X-Men have just gotten home and they're all meeting the baby for the first time. And then yes, I agree with you. All that stuff happens. And, and now Madeline is getting a chance for the first time to talk with Storm. And then we'll see in a little bit, not to jump too far ahead, Madeline will get her first opportunity to talk to Scott since he's been back. So I guess it's possible that maybe they were in Paris for a while and then they finally came back. So let's say a week or two. It's certainly not the next day. I mean, uh, you can't give birth to a baby and, like, just be running around the next day. So at least a week or two has to have passed since the baby was born, is, is all I'm saying. But uh, in a week or two, you don't lose as much weight as Madeline has appeared to lose from having a baby. She's very exercise motivated. Uh, <laughs> she's been working really hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Dropped out, brought, drop all that um, extra weight. Yeah, so she's talking to Storm, and she's like, uh, hey, it's, I'm glad you're all back, and something I heard in the news about Professor Xavier sounds like he won't be coming back, which was not made clear at the end of X-Men number 200, uh, but I guess is being made clear here. Well, it sort of was, and it sort of wasn't, because like Magneto said, you'll be back, and then the last two panels is all kind of uh it's very ominous in the way it, it's it, you're right in that it's not clear but they, they they do kind of play with both ideas the first being that professor x will be back shortly and then the, the the second idea that the professor will not be back it's like they have their cake and eat it too or i don't know what that phrase is <laughs> uh storm comments that uh Professor Xavier may not be coming back, and Magneto seems to be uh, going to be taking the professor's place. Right, because the X-Men didn't see that conversation that the professor and Magneto had. All they have to go by is Magneto's word that it happened. Yeah. So Madeline kind of walks Storm into the kitchen, and she's like, uh, like, look, um, I was having a great relationship with Scott, and then... He had to come back to the X-Men because he felt like he was needed. And uh, then they all went to Asgard. Kind of like a, you know, rehash of everything that's happened. But the the, the big thing is that um, when they when the X-Men returned and uh, materializing in France, everybody phoned Madeline except for Scott. And she's kind of annoyed about that. Uh, she's annoyed that she gave birth to her son on the floor. Son, uh, her son does not have a name yet. I don't believe it hasn't. He, uh, the child gets a name. This issue. No, she. Not only was the child uh, born in the mansion, like born on the floor of the kitchen. Like after the star jammers teleported away, like she must have just fallen down and just given birth. And then apparently, she says uh, she drove herself to the um, hospital <laughs> with the baby in her arms. Yeah. Placenta still attached. Exactly. I was like, ew. Like, there's so many things that that I want to that I'm curious about. Like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Maybe she did an extra. Oh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, that's disgusting. Um, but anyways, uh, or or maybe not. Uh, remember, she was taking care of Lockheed. Maybe Lockheed 
took care of that bit for her. Oh, yeah. And then she drove to the hospital. Like he'd mysteriously absent from this issue. <laughs> he looks really full. Did you feed him a lot of food, Madeline? Um, <laughs> certainly not my placenta. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, and she kind of can understand all this stuff, um, but she's hurt that he never called, and it seems like he doesn't care and that sort of and stuff. And she says these are valid concerns. You know, he should have at least uh, let her know that he cared. Um, and Storm doesn't really have much to say other than, well, Scott's a, Scott's a private man, but I'm pretty sure he loves you. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's what I thought now. Uh, though, Aurora, more and more, I find myself asking for proof. Meanwhile, Rachel and Kitty are exchanging the baby. Rachel's now holding the baby. Uh, she says something, or, or, or Kitty says something like, oh, here's your big sister. And Rachel's like, oh, I don't want to hear, I don't want Cyclops to hear. And then she silinks their minds to the baby's mind. And apparently whatever they silent together is beautiful because they're both crying. And this is one of the really good moments of this issue. There's there's a few. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a really nice uh, moment as penned by Claremont and Leonardi. Yes, it's touching. Kitty says, Ray, you, Ray, you can't hide the truth forever. I know. I'll tell him real soon. I promise. She thinks about how she never had a brother in this world, this timeline is going to be different and she'll protect the boy no matter what whatever it takes i'll find a way to save you meanwhile outside old brooder's back (laughs) broody mcbruderson he's outside he swaps his goggles for his glasses and looks up at the sky and it's like oh the professor it's like a father to me but where is he where are you now what happened between you and magneto can we trust him is he telling the truth (laughs) i'm a father but where's my father (laughs) (laughs) yeah Meanwhile, he stops to talk about his deadly eyes. Yeah. My eyes, my deadly eyes. My optic blast will lever whatever's in front of me. Uh, up on, uh, where are they, Adam? Um, I think they're still outside of the Earth. Yeah, but 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 on what kind of a vessel are they on? I don't know what kind. I know what the, the ship's name is, but I don't I don't know what. Um, yeah, what's the sh- what kind of vessel is? What's the I know sh- what you're getting at, Jeremy. <laughs> what's the ship called again? I believe it's called the Star Dreamer. Yeah, yeah. But can't you do it a little bit better? <laughs> I'm I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Star Jumper. <laughs> Adam, I thought you were going to add like a whole new verse to your song because we're not going to get to talk about the Star Jammers for a long, long time. Really? I'm pretty sure. Like this, this is it, man. Like maybe there's Come like on. a reference or two, but like spoilers. These things are going to change. And no. Well, I failed to write a new verse. Oh my god! Um, but uh, but I guess I can. I guess I could sing this song. The, the people want it, not just me. <laughs> I wish there was like an alternative version, like I could do. Star jammers, ooh ooh, jamming across the universe. Star jammers, where did I put my pants? There, I threw in a new verse. There, thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what Chode would be asking. <laughs> And they're all there, and I don't really care about any of this. The, the, the crux of the biscuit is the uh, stargates that transport them back and forth are heavily guarded by Shi'ar. Uh, the professor appears to be better, so Waldo or whoever must have cured him, but there's probably no chance that they're going home. Not now. Maybe not ever. 
And in a, a scene we've kind of seen before with Scott and Madeline, uh, the professor looks out at the stars and he wonders if he made a mistake in trusting uh, the X-Men and the New Mutants to Magneto. Um, he believes he's a good man, but he's not sure if that was a dangerous thing to do. And she says, you know, you can't really do anything about it, so don't worry about it. Make out with me. Take me. <laughs> and uh, under the dome of twinkling stars, uh, they do it alien style. How do you know that? I have the special edition version of this issue. Oh, lucky. <laughs> it's a it's a one big splash page. It's actually kind of gross. <laughs> you don't want to know. I mean, remember, she's an alien, so you don't want to know where various things are located because they're not where you expect. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's got tentacles. It's weird. It's really weird. Anyways, back at the school, um, good old Sam Guthrie, Mr. Cannonball, he's working on his Macintosh or something. And, uh, is that like an Apple IIe? I don't know. It looks kind of like an old Mac classic to me. I think this is about the right time frame, maybe. I don't remember. But anyways, it, it eats uh, his file and says, Core dump, 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 ear, Guru meditation. Yeah, it's, it's doing the classic Amiga error message. He um, He's wearing a Lila Cheney t-shirt, which is, as always, a nice touch. Yep. And I ate fire. That was my term paper. I want to cry. But the X-Men, and uh, yeah, I think it's just the X-Men, um, are playing baseball. Oh, nope. There's some new mutants out there. Another one of the great moments of this issue. Mm-hmm. You got Rogue kind of sunbathing on third base. Uh, Wolverine's playing shortstop. I'm not sure what position Nightcrawler's playing because there's not two shortstops. Kitty's pitching. Colossus is at the bat. Um, oh, and then you've got uh, uh, Ilyana as catcher and, and um, what's-her-face as umpire? Um, Danny Moonstar? Yes. Yeah, yeah I guess she's the, the umpire. Uh, Nightcrawler is in the fitting into the frame position. Yes, exactly. I play third base, but nobody could get me into the camera, so I moved over. Yeah, and they're they're playing baseball. It's a great scene. Um, I don't know. We can't do it justice, but but basically, there's some there's some you know crap talk, and uh, Kitty pitches it for uh, going for strike three against Colossus, but he turns from flesh into steel, and he pounds that one out into the sky, and. Kitty thinks that one's going to make orbit, but uh, Rogue, she's like, hang loose, y'all, I got this, and she flies up there, and she's like, uh, don't worry, nobody's going to see me, but little does she know, at the exact same time, Air Force One is flying by, and uh, Ronald Reagan's on the plane. Apparently he's got a meeting with uh, Senator Bob Dole, then he's got to go congratulate the New York Mets for winning the World Series, and meet with Dr. Valerie Cooper. Bob Dole, see? Yeah. Bob Dole's got a meeting with the president. And uh, outside the window, uh, I don't know, press secretary or chief of staff, somebody is like, Mr. President, look outside. And Rogue catches the baseball and uh, flies to the window, kisses it, and then flies back downward. I think, Don, we better keep this between ourselves. Says one notable president. Um, First of all... Air Force One usually is accompanied by the Air Force. I don't see any of those airplanes. And if they saw this, they would engage because this looks like a hostile action. She's just smooching. Yeah, well, I don't know. Stop throwing your stupid reality into my comic books. (laughs) Sorry, fine. It's a cute scene, but never would it 
happened. It's a fight. great scene. <laughs> um, Nightcrawler does talk about um, Cyclops's uh, being kind of distracted in his ability to lead. So it's, it's at this point where he kind of uh, it's realized that he's he's not planning to lead anymore. I'm B squad and the two A squads are here. I have no chance. Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, we'll, uh, uh, Nightcrawler wants to know what we should do, and, and, and Wolverine's like, ah, let's just leave it alone. It's ain't our fight, Fuzzy. And so Kitty heads inside uh, after, you know, her arm's all messed up from all that pitching, and uh, she ends up helping Sam Guthrie with his paper. She is able to restore it from the core dump, and she wants to go take a shower, but Storm's like, you better use the gym shower, and she hears fighting, and apparently Madeline and Cyclops are having a spirited discussion. And Storm is just standing outside guarding the door. Yeah. Don't go up there. And it's here where we basically kind of get the ultimatum. You know, Madeline's like, hey, it's me or them. I understand you got responsibilities, but I'm your wife. You got a son. X-Men can handle themselves. What's it going to be, mister? Yeah, and Cyclops does come off as a bit of a tool in this conversation. I have a responsibility to the X-Men, Madeline. Storm, Storm has no power. She'd be a liability in combat. Uh, combat. Uh, he's worried about Magneto. Maybe he murdered the professor. Um, he thinks that Madeline's going to quit her career because they just had a baby, but he's not even considering quitting his career. This is a nice touch here. Uh, so in the last issue and this issue, Cyclops has been like, I don't trust Magneto, but but maybe... But in here, Madeline asks, like, you don't believe Magneto? And he says, not for an instant. For all we know, he may have murdered Professor X himself. So uh, he has clearly done his thinking and has decided that Magneto is not to be trusted, which may be part of the reason he wants to stay around, is just to make sure that the X-Men aren't led too far astray by Magneto. Well, I think he's just making excuses at this point. Well, that could be too. He's avoiding responsibility. He's not avoiding his perceived uh, responsibility to the X-Men. The X-Men don't need him. Well, right. But he doesn't know that. Like he's, he I pro- think part of the problem is that he's afraid that I think he does know that. Oh, that could be. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch of things. There's a lot of emotions swirling around. It's a, he's a relic of a bygone era. Yeah. So a storm comes up. She excuses herself and says that a decision must be made... Uh, one of us must lead. And the best way to choose, I feel, is a duel. You and I, Cyclops, alone in the danger room. Unless, of course, you would rather step aside. And then he makes his decision. No, he's officially committing to the X-Men. And... Well, he walks, he walks down the stairs and he's like, his expression just says like, no. Like, right. I'm grumpy. No. And then in the next next panel, we as a storm goes down, we get kind of uh, Madeline alone with her baby, and it's these are these are two good panels. Uh, Cyclops walks away, and Madeline is alone. Yes, and if I'm Madeline, uh, or if I'm consulting uh, Madeline, I'm like, leave him. <laughs> Like your fate is going to be decided by a battle, not him realizing that he has a wife that loves him and a new baby he needs to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> not a good role model here. Enter bad parent Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Anyways, the new mutants led by Magneto are in the danger room uh, working on a session. 
Cyclops shows up into the, the control booth and says, Cypher, uh, can you terminate your session? Storm and I need the room. New Mutants are kind of grumpy. Well, Roberto's kind of grumpy about it, but, you know. Magneto says, Cyclops would not kick us out without good reason. Storm enters and um, Cyclops enters and the X-Men and New Mutants gather in the control room to to watch the battle ensue. And the rules are a single fall. Winner takes all. Cyclops is going to keep his optic blasts on ultra-low power. Why doesn't he just always do that? Then he doesn't have to worry about his deadly eyes. <laughs> That's true. That's a weird thing that they threw in here. That <laughs> is, is, is that a thing he can do? Yes. And Storm gets the advantage of kind of having a, uh, I don't know, a lot of urban uh, decay and cover for her to utilize. So in her mind, they are evenly matched. And Cyclops comments on the enhancements that have been made in the danger room. Good lord, I know this is the danger room, uh, that this setting is a mix of illusion and reality, three-dimensional holograms and physical props, but it feels so lifelike. There's sight, sound, even smell. The deception is perfect. So this is... I wonder, has he never been in the danger room, this version of the danger room before? I don't think so, but I don't think we've ever actually seen any comments about this evolution of the danger room and then you got to wonder like is this due to uh kitty and um doug ramsey tinkering on the uh danger room or is this just unspoken of shiar technology yeah this is the thing that yeah <laughs> and this 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 is the thing that we'll talk about in many many years right when joss whedon does a run of the x-men right but it's not well, all right anyways it's, it's this is a retcon in the waiting <laughs> gotcha all right so the danger room has been upgraded through unknown means, listener. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the the fight ensues. Cyclops opens up the first shot, thinking he's going to empty, er, end it quickly. Uh, but he's a little cocky. Storm is able to dodge out of the way. She's able to hide. Uh, Cyclops goes looking for her. Storm trips him with her belts and blocks his optic beams with his own arm. As he pushes her to the ground, I feel like this would count as a fall because he's on the ground. Well, it's a roll, so I guess, yeah, I, I suppose it would. But um, for some reason, maybe, I don't know why it doesn't. Maybe it's like wrestling. Maybe like both, even though it kind of looks like it, maybe both shoulders aren't on the ground. Maybe they have to kind of agree to it and be like, so she, as she runs around the corner and he's shooting at her, she's like, was that a fall? He's like, no, no, not yet. <laughs> no, I'm good. Game on. So she he fires some blasts at her. She runs away, scampers away, basically. Uh, Magneto and Wolverine kind of comment on, on what's going on here. Uh, and this is my favorite part of this issue when Wolverine says, Aurora can do the job. Scotty can't Not anymore. His head may be in it, but not his heart. That's blunting his instincts, throwing off his timing. His mistakes are only little ones, but sooner or later they'll cost him. And uh, this is like some of the best Wolverine dialogue ever, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's it, it sums up the whole issue, and it's like this is when Chris Claremont does a good Wolverine. Yes, I'm he, impressed. I'm impressed, Chris Claremont. He has finally understood the character of Wolverine, and oh, he's, he always has. But you know, well, this this is just some good Wolverine writing. Yeah. 
So Cyclops is still looking for Storm, but he finds that his mind is wandering. Now he's thinking to himself, why doesn't Madeline understand? He's got a duty. But to her too, suppose she's right, and I am so afraid. The professor was my father. Shouldn't a son naturally want to take his father's place? And uh... by, by being a father to your son? <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, some debris falls on Cyclops uh, that he's able to blast away. Uh, more than likely that came from Storm. She's able to, again, kind of skitter away in the shadows. Gotta stop daydreaming or I'm in big trouble. Why can't I figure Storm out? Where is she? What is she going to do? Madeline's thinking to herself that, uh, you know, she's scared. She wants Scott to lose this fight so that he'll come back. Except losing will break his heart. Oh, why can't it be because he wants to instead of because he has no other choice? At this point, you're like, Madeline, kick that guy to the curb. Well, for, okay. Yes and no. Uh, she is a uh, a wife who loves her husband um, and who just had a child. You know, she's not going to say no to even even though the 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 husband is being kind of uh, uh, a bit of a wet noodle right now. <laughs> she's she still needs help to raise this kid, and if he can pull through at the end, she's not going to say like, "Nope, you had your chance." She's still she's still on the fence. He hasn't done enough. To get her to the point, like, like she needs help to raise this kid. It's an uncertain future. Yeah. This is, this is you know, put yourself in her shoes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and she does actually say say some things earlier on that we, we kind of breezed by where she she also has a career. Like, she's not intending to quit uh, flying. Um, I don't know. Stuff like that. She also does make a mention of how she had walked away from that 747 uh, without any wounds. So, you know, she can handle this little baby birth thing. So. She calls the baby baby and sweet pea. So until further notice, the baby's name is sweet pea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, again, I guess Madeline is uh, doing the right thing by kind of waiting until she can have the discussion with Cyclops um, to, to name the baby. Right. So that she's not just making this decision in a bubble. Well, she she did make reservations. So she is leaving tomorrow. To go back to Alaska, presumably, with or without Cyclops. Yeah. And if Cyclops isn't on that plane, I'm I'm betting she names the baby on the plane. And as soon as she lands in Anchorage, she registers it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's when a storm breaks out. And she's like, well, that's weird. The sky was perfectly clear a minute ago. Where'd the storm come from? And I don't know if this keeps happening, but it's happened before. And it's kind of a nice touch that, like, these... These storms are clearly connected to Storm. Even though she doesn't have her powers, sometimes storms continue to happen around her. And, and you know, it's obviously an effect of her her kind of masked powers that she has no control over. But they never really tie it down to it. It just keeps happening. And I don't know how long it continues, but I like it. Yeah, it's a good touch. Cyclops realizes back in the danger room that Storm is behind her, and uh, he turns around to shoot at her, but misses. She lunges at him, flips over, and during the flip, grabs his visor, pulls it off, and uh, she is now effectively rendered Cyclops powerless or helpless because he can't unshield his eyes without risking killing everyone around him. Our duel is over. The best X-Man won, Storm. Congratulations and good luck. And he thinks to himself, I don't believe it. I'm dreaming. This isn't happening. I lost. There's no place for me here. The expression on his face is of a, of a, of a sad, broken man who has maybe lost everything. wonder after all I've said and done if there's any uh, place now with Madeline. 
Yep. And uh, we won't find out this issue because in the epilogue of this issue, Rachel visits Elaine and, uh, what's his face, John, John Gray, to restore the holographic uh, globe thing that she broke a few issues ago. And she does that by imbuing a little bit of her power inside of it. And uh, this is also kind of a way of her making maybe peace with the fact that this future does not include, well, her, yet she is. <laughs> so so there it is, world. I'm here. It's also a nice way for her to spend some time with her mother who died before she ever came back to the past or whatever. Uh, so she, she now inside of the crystal is Jean Grey and also Rachel is there with her mother, which is, you know, it's it's not nice. Um, I'm kind of curious about what John and Elaine will think when they see it. Who's that girl? <laughs> well, that's what I wondered. Like, is this this globe? This is a, a like a, like a representation because what they say is that uh, when they deliver the globe to John and Elaine, it was like she are way back when. Like, this is the essence of your daughter. When you're near it or when you buy it, you're gonna feel like her presence is around. So I don't think there's actually like a floating picture of Jean in it. And if there is, and now there's a floating picture of Rachel, yeah, they're going to call the X-Men and be like, what, what's going on, people? Who is All right, this? so you're saying it's an artistic representation. Okay, I buy that. That's like what it. I'm thinking anyways. But we get this weird thing. Um, after she, she uses a whole bunch of power, it flows through her. She's able to do the giant phoenix effect as as the she pours some of her heart and soul into the crystal sphere. Um, a big power blast shoots I'm guessing from Earth to the place where Jean Grey sacrificed herself to save the universe. No, no. I think what is happening is that the place where Jean Grey sacrificed herself to save the universe is leaving that place and going somewhere else. And the Watcher comes out and he says, It begins, but as the ending, who can say? As before, I may not act, or my charge is ever to observe, for I am the Watcher. <laughs> I can accept that as the Watcher. <laughs> I'm going with that for the Watcher. I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's an uh, uh, like a, an alliteration to what's coming up. Well, I think in the context of this page, it means that the remnants, when Jean Grace sacrificed herself, the oh. remnants to the Phoenix are in that spot, and now they're leaving to head towards Rachel. Got it. Heading to Rachel or heading to the sphere thing? I could accept either. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's good. I like it. I never understood this page uh, reading it when I was growing up. So I honestly don't know if that is a correct interpretation. It's just the one I'm giving right now. It's a lot better than anything else that uh, <laughs> uh, that I got. Okay. So there you go. So we've been slowly getting the, the return of the Phoenix, and I, I feel like this is just another, another uh, segment on that. Yeah, I guess. I don't want to spoil too much, but, you know, I, it seems like maybe they changed direction somewhere in the comic then. They do that quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. Next issue to Slay the Beyonder. Oh, goody! Secret Wars 2 tie-ins. <laughs> so, um, I really liked this issue. That's yeah, a good issue. This is like This is like one of my favorite issues so far. We've done like 219 episodes, but like this one, I don't, I don't, I was trying to figure out why I liked it so much. And I think I went back and I kind of flipped through it and I noticed that, that Cyclops does a lot of thinking to himself 
and you get to you get this whole range of emotions from Cyclops, and then Storm not doesn't really think to herself much at all. Even during the fight, she only thinks to herself once or twice, and she just comes off as such a much a much stronger, more. Uh, confident character and everybody is like consulting her for advice and she, she even during those times when people consult her for advice she like she doesn't have a whole lot to say she's very factual and it was it was a good i think i don't know if that was done intentionally to show like the difference between cyclops and storm and how how much better a leader storm would make but if it was intentional that's that's really good yeah, um, I um, I was gonna say so. Oh, it's it's yeah. I, as I was reading it, I was thinking, uh, you know, kind of as I said with issue two hundred, um, is it's uh, this is out with the old and with the new, and this kind of carried that on because I was feeling that a lot of issues leading up to this were very um, thought balloon heavy, dialogue heavy, talking heavy, and two hundred, despite it even being double issue wasn't um and this issue as you said um cyclops the old guard doing a lot of thinking but of course he's got a lot on his mind so that kind of makes sense and kind of the new x-men just just i don't know the art spoke more for the issue than all of the words so i feel like this is kind of a turning point um for chris claremont's storytelling um yeah i agree i mean this definitely uh feels like a turning point and not and and like a, a story direction feels it feels like everything is is changing slightly and you have the professor leaving and cyclops gone and all of this stuff so yeah it's 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 i agree with everything you said yep it's tying up all the loose ends of the old although yeah and then you're just just starting like it's the it's the new chapter it's it's i guess this would be part three um of the x-men which will be many 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 parts but but yeah yeah good 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 stuff i was reading that chris claremont uh, really wanted cyclops to retire at this point and go off to be happy oh and um obviously other things are afoot uh, i think i think by now he knows that these things are afoot and and this is why we get bad dad cyclops um so think things are changing for the character of cyclops in a bad way and mm. we're gonna learn more about that as we go so that yeah and this really does kind of set the tone because up until now like you had brooding Cyclops in the old days, and then he kind of turned the corner um, with the new X Men. Not quite so brooding. Uh, got to meet his father. Good stuff. Uh, but now we're gonna go back to like ultra sad and brooding Scott. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's I don't know. I thought it, I just thought it was interesting to learn that really at this point Chris Claremont just kind of wanted him to be as like an occasional guest star. Like, hey X Men, I'm back. Did you miss I'm me? Really happy. Yeah, that would have been uh, interesting. Um, and I guess I wonder. I mean, I'm sure there's some interviews and articles about this, but uh, you know what? What was the? You know, when was the announcement made that you know the originals are getting back together? Um, was that? I am assuming that. I mean, well, everybody at Marvel knows. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's um, there's no announcement in this issue, like in the like the letters section or anything like that. So right. they're not advertising X Factor yet, but it's like uh, it's like next month, isn't it, or is it two months away? Um, well, Fantastic Four two eighty six and Avengers two sixty three also came out this month, and I believe X Factor comes out next month. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's February. I want to say that like uh, X Men is in the like uh, two. 200s it's like 201 202 203 and x factors like you know one two three four like they're like a number behind each other except 
X-Men is 200 issues beyond. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, they're drawing it like as, as, uh, as we were reading that, well, back in 1980, whatever. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so uh, no letters this week, but that's fine. That's cool. Uh, give us a, drop us a note at www.xmenpodcast.com or facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast at danger room go is where we can be followed on the tweeters danger room at redcapproductions.com. You can email us there, visit us at iTunes, um, go into the podcast section, search for danger room. We're the first podcast that shows up. Remember, we're still looking for five and you get a prize of some I'm, I'm almost, I think I've almost figured out what the prize is. Oh my almost. gosh. Well there you go. It's getting more exciting everybody. And uh yeah, and uh don't forget that our music theme, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Good stuff. It's it's got juicy beats. Is that what it has? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah, I read uh I read some Secret Wars 2, Adam. Oh yeah, did you? Secret Wars 2 number 6. Uh it has absolutely nothing to do with the X-Men, um, but it's still actually a pretty good read. I've always liked this issue. This When I was collecting comics as a kid, I had like three issues of Secret Wars 2. It was like four, six, and maybe like the last issue. So I never really got the full story until a lot later in life. Um, but but basically, like, he, here's what happens. The Beyonder kills death. And, <laughs> I mean, he, he wants to do good things, and he sets up, like, this giant citadel, and he's, you know, a, a force for good, because apparently Doctor Strange gave him purpose. And, and then there's this other dude in there who is looking for purpose. So, like, they team up to kind of, like, save the world from hurricanes and bad people and all sorts of stuff. And... And the Beyonder then... The guy's name is Dave. Dave, Dave is the Beyonder's PR man. And uh, Dave introduced... Uh, the Beyonder introduced Dave to this um, this concept of entities, which uh, are order, uh, eternity, death, chaos, the in-betweener, Eon, Living Tribunal, and Mephisto. Um, kind of felt like a who's who in the Marvel Universe. Kind of. And I, I this begs a question, like, I have... All of these entities been established in either the pages of like Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four, or Avengers? I don't know, but I, I will. Uh, I'm going to do a quick see if I can figure out how many of these people have first appearances in this issue. So keep talking while I'm <laughs> yes. searching. Yes, uh, the Watcher. He shows up. He's he's busy this month checking out the X Men. He visits uh, Molecule Man. He's like, you got to do something. All right, the Beyonder is going to do something. I don't know what it is because all I do is watch, but I don't think it's going to be good. And um, Owen Reese, he's like, you watch. Get out of here and stop meddling. You you watch. They have bad blood uh, because uh, they both first appeared in Fantastic Four number 20, and I, I went back to read it. It was a very silly issue. But um, – Essentially, the Watcher stops Owen Reese and is kind of a jerk to him. Oh, and all Owen Reese wants to do, like, he's got the power of the universe at his fingertips, and all he wants to do is just kind of, like, chill out, watch reruns, and hang out with his girlfriend. And, and you know, these entities are just, like, visiting, like, the Beyonder and the Watcher, and he's like, leave me alone. I just want to do my thing. Beyonder, he's like, I don't need this Dave guy, but it seems to give him purpose, so I don't know. And the more things that the Beyonder is able to stop and the more wrongs that he's able to right, he's, he's, he feels good about it, but it's still not, he's still a little empty. Like, he's like, well, there's got to be more. What's the next thing? There's got to be more. I don't understand. 
And uh, that's when he gets the idea that he'll put some of his power into a cup um, and uh, death, death will drink it and die. But Mephisto, he doesn't like this idea at all because Mephisto loves death because death is what sends him souls for him to torment. Yeah, they're kind of talked of as having a, uh, uh, a shared relationship. And that's when the Watcher shows up with all of the entities. I think there's even a Celestial in here. All right, according to the uh, internet, none of these people um, are having a first appearance here. So all of these characters have been established. That's weird, because um, none of these people, except for the Watcher, show up in the pages of the X-Men. So they must all be Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four, and Avengers somewhere. Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, good point. So, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, Dave... Uh, well, the Beyonders, like, thinking twice, like, well, maybe I don't want to kill Death. And, like, Dave's like, nonsense. Let's Here you go, Death, drink this. And <clears throat> Death drinks it, and Mephesto's like, no. And all the uh, entities are like, well, there it is. The old ways are done. Yeah, time to get in with death. Yeah, time to get in uh, out with the old and with the new. Guess we're going to have to adapt. Molecule Man, he's at his apartment, and he noticed that some roses that had died a little earlier were now alive, and he's like, oh, no, he didn't. So he's <laughs> realized that the Beyonder has killed death. So he shows up, and he can confronts all of the entities and he's like all right everybody i gotta be alone with beyonder so even the entities are like whoa it's molecule man everybody yeah the watcher called molecule man the most powerful man in the universe yeah and so you know they have a little argument and uh, molecule man's like look at you you don't even know what you've done without death how can there be life there's nothing to do there's nothing to strive for and what i would have really liked them to do is like shorten up everything else and kind of show the effects of not being able to die, you know, so maybe somebody who's in, you know, uh, um, terminal pain who normally would have died of natural causes peacefully is now forced to, like, live through all of this pain. Um, so we can get what the real ramifications of what the death of death would be. But we don't. Molecule Man just kind of guilt trips the Beyonder. Uh, and then, you know, the Beyonder's like, well, you know, whatever. I just did well, a lot. Not so much the Beyonder. He, mo- he mo- mostly guilt trips Dave. Well, he's he's talking to the Beyonder, and the Beyonder's like, but I did a good thing and killing something that we couldn't allow. And that's when Dave's like, oh, my God, what did we just do? Beyonder, you got to bring death back. And Beyonder's like, well, the only way we could do that is if somebody was maybe willing to die, I could use my power to kill them and that person would become death. Even though the Beyonder said multiple times throughout the issue, like, if I kill death, it's irreversible. Can't go back. (laughs) Not going to happen. Well, you know, it is irreversible. It's can't bring death back and just create a new death. Dave's like, well, I always wanted to stand for something and so, or be something or whatever. So he uh, caused this problem and I guess he becomes the solution to the problem by allowing the Beyonder to kill him and he becomes death. And then he destroys his uh, his little citadel and I uh, guess he's not going to be a hero anymore. So now we know that death is a guy named Dave. <laughs> well, the Beyonder does say like, uh, you know, this is what the entities look like to you, but really they don't look like this. You just couldn't perceive them. This is just what your mind sees. So, so death, cause even Dave is like, Oh, death's a woman. And he's like, and Beyonder's like, well, the death, death can be whatever, whatever it wants to be. And so I believe when death, when Dave becomes death, he becomes death. He's no longer Dave. And now he or she, or it can be whatever it wants to be. Okay. I don't know. 
sounds like um, some pretty uh, comic booky writing. But uh, I've always liked that issue, so it was fun to reread. It was a good one. Yeah. Not as good as the last one, I feel, but that's just me. Uh, what was the last one? This is the one with Boom Boom. Oh yeah, that that's a that's a yeah from a storytelling perspective or or whatever that that's that is a uh, in my opinion technically better issue. But this one's just fun. I don't know. Yeah, I mean they're all kind of fun. Yeah, they don't seem to really be adding up to anything, which is interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure they do, but right now now it's just kind of you know they're just interest. They're like little things that are happening that don't really matter. Yep, I, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> That's exactly what they are. Well, Adam, what else we got to talk about? I read New Mutants number 35, which um, not a whole lot happened. Basically, uh, similar, like they're, they're, they're establishing the new order over there, too, and Magneto is now the headmaster for the New Mutants. Um, I noticed that Bill, Bill Sienkiewicz is back. Yeah, he's inking. Yeah, I like it. Some, somebody else's work. Um, and it, it is very stylistically like his stuff. Um so Magneto uh, first trains the New Mutants by um, training them in the Danger Room, and he defeats them all in combat, which seems kind of like a jerk move. And uh, then uh, Danny Moonstar gets attacked by a bunch of drank, drunken frat boys, and he goes to their house and threatens them. And the New Mutants are like, well, I guess he's not so bad. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, just establishing the New Order. And I feel like New Mutants is still kind of figuring out what the heck it wants to do. Well, it's uh the yeah, anything could happen, you know, with uh, the professor gone and, and Magneto in charge. What I'm most curious about, oh, the other thing that I thought was uh worth pointing out was that Lee uh is still in the picture but she's captaining her boat. So uh, Magneto's like, well, I guess we'll see each other every now and again. But Lee's got her boat. I got the X-Men, so it's going to be hard. But we'll make it work. I don't know if that goes anywhere, but I'm eager to find out. And the other thing I'm eager to find out is that, spoilers, the new mutants and Magneto eventually get separated. Oh, no. <laughs> and then uh, a guy you might have heard of by the name of Cable shows up. Well, that's not for a while. I know it's not for a while, but um, I'm just curious uh, how Headmaster... I don't know what happens uh, other than I think I read... Um, I read whatever new mutants uh, were, were were in Fall of the Mutants, and I don't recall Magneto being there, but he might have been. It's been a while. And then whatever ma- new mutant stories took place during Inferno, where I also don't recall seeing Magneto, but he may have been there. I don't remember. So just wondering if the relation... Okay. I'm just wondering if the headmaster Magneto thing is, is like, you know, 10, 20 issues and then he disappears or, or what happens? I will keep you posted. I can't wait. And the listeners as well. Uh, other stuff I'm keeping people posted on for no apparent reason anymore is Alpha Flight 29. Um, Bill Manlo and Mike Mignola are now the writers and artists of that. And John Byrne has left and has swapped with them to take on the Hulk. Um, so Alpha Flight fights the Hulk in this issue. Nice. That's pretty much it. Uh, Sasquatch is missing in action. I don't know what will happen to him. Um, I kind of flipped ahead, and there are some actually important X-Men-related issues coming up, so I'm looking forward to those. In Alpha Flight? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Captain Britain number 12. Um, we're getting close to the end of this one. I, so Captain Britain and Megan were transported to the Incan pyramids of Peru in the 14th century in the last issue, sent there to help Gatecrasher, who's that big 
heavy set purple lady yep. <laughs> from Excalibur. Yep. Um, she was attempting to steal an ancient article from a temple before it collapsed, but she ended up getting tricked into eating parasite eggs, which are going to eat her if she doesn't get help. Um, turns out that her teammates in the tech net, which I said another Excalibur thing. Yeah, it is. I, okay. Yeah, you just jogged my memory there. I can't remember what it is, but it is. So they want somebody named Fascination to join them, but Fascination's still hanging around with Gate Crasher. Um, Captain Britain and Megan save her, and she teleports them back to the Braddock Manor, where they see uh, Captain UK and the new Captain Britain. Betsy Braddock. And Brian throws a hissy fit and says, I quit. That's where we leave that one. Well, So Betsy Braddock is Captain Britain. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Interesting. Uh, Defenders is wrapping up as well. This is issue 150. It was a double-sized one. Um, in the last issue, they were teleported somewhere, and it turns out they're teleported into space where they almost die. Uh, Cloud has regained her memory, and she is, in fact, a nebula. She came to Earth because the stars are going out in the galaxy, and she doesn't know why. And the Defenders, uh, they recruit the help of some space aliens um this issue's weird <laughs> um the the cosmic cube uh has teleported itself into the future and is now a cosmic planetoid and that has come back to the past to help the defenders uh he used to call it cubie oh. um they encounter a villain called the star thief who's actually a really cool villain um well design wise uh it looks like a, a butterfly but it also looks like a face it was neat. Um, the heroes track down the star thief across the galaxy, only to discover that it's a manifestation of a frightened alien girl in a coma that has access to the cosmic cube's powers somehow. And the defenders coax the little girl out of her coma, and everything's okay. All the stars come back. And that's it. Wow. Two more issues of that left. Yeah, there are. Um, and, and while we're on the topic of um, entities, and then we just got done with our Asgardian Wars with the New Mutants and the X-Men. Adam, I just got to ask you, did you see that Thor trailer with Hela? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, I'm glad that we recently did that X-Men thing because like I think because we did that that those couple of shots of Hella where their helmet were really cool they were they were awesome now I would have recognized that uh even if we wouldn't have done those issues but be, especially because we just did those issues and you know she turns around she's got that big helmet with all this stuff on her head I was like oh my god it looked awesome yeah exactly <laughs> that that looks like a fun movie can't Led Zeppelin can't hurt no, Led Zeppelin has a way of making most trailers better. That's the trend now is like uh, ever since Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like your your superhero movies are filled with rock music. Yeah, and I couldn't get over the like 80s sci-fi font effects. I loved them, but I was like, what are they going for here? <laughs> was that like He-Man or something? I like it, it looks so familiar, but I wasn't sure if it was specifically something or just based kind of loosely on something. It's 80s, man. It's like 80s sci-fi. Like, yeah, She-Ra kind of did it. He-Man kind of did it with the, and then the, you know, the multicolor font that's kind of metallic in, uh, in its look as, as 
really 80s. And I don't know why they did that. I mean, I get it for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and I don't mind it, I guess, for this Ragnarok movie, but I'm just like, why? Why would they go that way? Do they go back to the 80s and then go to Asgard in the 80s and this is what happens? I guess they're just setting the tone as different from the previous Thor movies, which is good because like, I've never been excited about a Thor movie before. It's a good trailer. It's a great trailer. Um, the first Thor movie uh, underwhelmed me. I mean, I love the actor, and, and uh, I love him in, in The Avengers. Um, and then the second, I don't even think I ever got through the second one. I thought, I, I think I just was bored <laughs> through it. And, may, and maybe I just didn't give it a fair shake, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for this third one. So it's a good time to be a comic book fan, everybody. Yep. This is like the, 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 the culmination of all the good stuff is coming together. Yeah, the geeks have inherited the earth, everybody. And you got to watch our movies now. <laughs> so, anything else, Adam? Uh, that'll be all today for now, kind sir. All right, then. Until next time, everybody. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Closed.